In the face of evolving strategic competition and potential threats to North America across all domains and all axes, so the Russians using, what, they're like 70% combat effective force less to uh, mount and mount a, a, what, a some thousands of kilometer front attack down into Canada through an area that has no like major population centers for another several thousand kilometers. And then securing and defending that. Like, well, how did yeah. this fucking work? Like, I mean, once you once you zoom out just a couple of degrees, it, none of this makes any sense. <laughs> oh, man. First, we take Nunavut. Then we take Toronto. <laughs> Absolutely. Exactly. Uh, hey, that, that, look, there's a lot of valuable real estate in Toronto that I'm sure the Russians would love to have. You know, that they're from from. Um, from Vladivostok, they're just all—they're all looking at a new condo that's going up on Queen West, and just being like, "Oh, Vasily, it is worth thirty billion dollars across ten floors, and they have in-house concierge and gym and parking." <laughs> they're they're <laughs> broadcasting Pravda from uh, the top of the CN Tower. <laughs> Before we get into the the F thirty five, I want to talk a little bit about some of the, um, let's say, some of the continuities. Uh, that have happened as Canada's attempted to uh, change its uh, procurement, uh, uh, its, its defense posture, and has found itself either, um, uh, let's say, just repeating what the Harper government did or uh, just continuing to do it with a smile on its face. Uh, and this is sort of the, the story of the Canadian surface combatant ship. So in, in 2011, Irving Halifax was selected as the winner of a multi-billion dollar program to conduct a construct a new fleet of warships for the country, including, hilariously, icebreakers that didn't break ice. Um, yeah. Good stuff. <laughs> yeah. Um, and, and essentially, right, they're saying that, um, that, the, that the liberals have, liberal government has continued with this conservative selection to pour $300 million uh, into the Irving companies, which, as you, if you've listened to this show before, you'll remember, are a privately owned company, company that basically runs the entire province of New Brunswick like a company town. Uh, this is, <laughs> uh, as they said, um, they started the project in 2015, um, and, but, then, but then the conservatives almost were going to scale it back because it was getting too expensive and difficult. Right, they said the Liberal government, to, uh, then elected in 2015, has reaffirmed its commitment to the Canadian surface combatant ship co- um, uh, concept, even though the cost has basically spiraled completely out of control <laughs> from an original 26 billion to 77 billion. It has basically tripled, um, which is uh, uh, quite quite insane. I'm no math doctor, but that seems like uh, that seems like a big uh, a big increase. Oh, it's absolutely standard in U.S. defense procurement to the point that you begin to realize after you've seen a few dozen of these cost overruns that, you know, as the cliche has it, they're, they're a feature, not a bug. They're, it's not that something went wrong. It's that the way the defense procurement business works, the more flaws you build into the plane or allow to be built into the plane, the more money there is down the line because the real profits come with refits and repairs and restocking. software upgrades perchance right if you made the perfect uh airplane for an actual mission and the closest i can think of in terms of planes to that would be the a10 uh everybody in your clique would hate it as in fact they did they hated the a10 to the point that the guy said anybody who supports it is a traitor so what you want is a very big expensive plane with all kinds of fun stuff wrong with it. 
and the thing about this, right, and this is something I'm going to, I'm going to sort of hand off to Dan for, which is that in November 2020, 2021, it transpired that Australia had been pursuing the same set of ship designs. Um, and again, uh, this was knowable much earlier, before we did it, certainly, um, that <laughs> the ships were uh, slow, slow to build, uh, in, basically ineffective in the water, and had been deemed unsafe to be in. That's right. Uh, yeah. And another, another lesson we could have learned from Australia and then failed to. That's, that's something I've noticed during uh, doing research uh, on this, you know, is that Canada could doesn't but could use australia as a kind of minority report style precog i mean it is literally tomorrow in australia today but in the broader sense they get these weapon systems before we do and holy shit are there huge problems with them so not unlike the surface combatant ships um australia the australian media has been putting out um extremely critical articles on their F-35 program. So they bought 72 F-35s. Back in 2002, they became a level three industrial partner in the F-35 program. Um, They are on the hook for 72 of them. We, Canada, are on the hook for 88 of them for some reason, which is bizarre to me considering Australia as part of America's like new lurch towards a military confrontation with China seems to be more strategically placed than Canada. But um, I guess we just had to prove to the Americans that we, we, we wanted it more, you know? <laughs> well, I think there's a precedent for this that, that really has nothing to do with combat. Because uh, the longer I've, I've worked on this stuff, the, the more I've been inclined to believe that combat means almost nothing in weapons procurement. If there's the big war, it will be a big nuke war, and that's it. You know, uh, the rest is something else and something really hard to understand. I mean, there's, there's the big nuke war, and there's uh, the, the bloody, horrible mess of counterinsurgency, which none of the U.S. forces like. Um, they, there's a, there's a, a, a CDD slogan that they use about it, cheap, dangerous, and dirty. As in, you know, uh, there's no budgetary value in it. It's a, it comes down to dumb old weapons like rifles and mines and the A-10 and everything we hate. So it's cheap. Um, it's dangerous. You know, you've got to walk around winning hearts and minds. And you can actually get killed doing that. And it's dirty because it's counterinsurgency. And counterinsurgency is inherently dirty. It consists basically of torturing and murdering people that you think are going to give you the names you need. So they hate it. So what they want is the fantasy of the big conventional war. And it's not going to happen because you, you don't do that when there are nukes. It goes nuke about 10 minutes in. But the fantasy is for something else. And Saudi Arabia provides the best example. Saudi Arabia has been buying very expensive American and in some cases British weapons. A few Canadians. Yeah, we send them uh, troop transports. LAVs. Yeah. 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 Uh, and as you saw in, in the intervention in Yemen, the billions that the Saudi government spent on defense meant nothing in terms of real, cheap, dangerous, and dirty counterinsurgency in Yemen. They got shredded. They got totally shredded. I used to work in a place called Najran, which was eight miles from the Saudi border. It's getting mortared these days. Uh, and, and that was not supposed to happen. They looked on the Yemenis as a bunch of paupers, which they are compared to Saudis, but so what? 
that's the kind of war they wanted to fight. As, uh, as you said before, they, nobody's willing to play. So the Saudis have all these expensive American weapons, and why did they buy them if they sort of knew, and if you know Saudi, they would have had to sort of know, that they can't fight. They bought them because America doesn't have a lot of industries that are still profitable, but the U.S. does have the overwhelming number of military forces that could at least destroy anybody around Saudi Arabia in a conventional war, except Israel, which is an even closer ally than Saudi Arabia. But, but basically, it was a bribe. They didn't expect to use these weapons as well. Right. It's a way to show fealty to uh, an yeah. industrial partner, basically. Yeah, yeah, the Knights of Malta sent a black falcon, but, you know, that's out of style. So you buy a bunch of F-15s that your guys don't know how to maintain, don't know how to fly in combat, aren't that good at killing uh, Houthi, sitting around willing to wait days before taking a shot at you anyway. F-15s aren't any good at that. But uh, it keeps you in good with the guys in the McMansions in Northern Virginia. And so that's what this is. It's got, and I, I reached this conclusion reluctantly, okay? It's got pretty much nothing to do with actual war. Yeah. 